Good to see everyone tonight. We are going to, if you haven't guessed already, continue on Mind Brain Connections, <laughs> number 149. We're heading toward 150. Are we going to start a new series? No. <laughs> no. What I want to talk about tonight is I told you I was going to incorporate, again, some more of the book of the Revelation in this series. And we'll probably do that from time to time. Uh, this will probably be the last one for a little while from Revelation, because I have something that I want to share next week. But uh, who knows, we could get back into the book of Revelation. I love the book of Revelation, and many people do. And we have been taught so many false teachings about a retributive father. And we get that from words like wrath. And of course, wrath in the Greek doesn't mean that he's going to knock our lights out and kill us, then cast us into an eternal conscious torment. Wrath means the passionate love of the Father. That's what it means in the Greek. But why did the Greeks use wrath? I have no, you know, we have to understand. I heard a lady say years ago, we need to really get into the culture of how the people, what the culture was, yeah. and how the people wrote back then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, for, for example, today we have, and I'm not going to mention, but we have some words mm -hmm. that mean something totally different than what they did back in the 60s right. or the 70s. Yeah. Totally different meanings. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to adapt mm -hmm. when we're studying in the Word of God and realize that our Father is light, He's yeah. life, He's love. Amen. There's no wrath as we have known wrath. There's no vindictiveness in Him whatsoever. Now, in that love... And in that wrath, that passion love, he corrects. Mm -hmm. There's a course correction that takes place within our lives, and we embrace that and we receive that. Mm -hmm. But there's something that I want to explain before we go. You can, in fact, you can turn to Revelation 21 if you like. Mm -hmm. And I want to explain something. I don't think that I've ever explained this here. I've written posts about it, and I've had many ministers, numerous ministers, ask me to repost this post that I wrote several years ago, probably four or five years ago. And it's the word sin. If we do not understand the difference between sin, singular, and sins, plural, then we're going to be throwing everything in the sin basket and be sin conscious. And if you study the scriptures, you will find out, especially when you look into the Greek, the original, you will find out that sin, singular, which is the Greek word harmatia, has two parts to it. Sins, plural, has to do with our behavior, people's behavior. But we have to understand, if they have sins, plural, in their life, it's as the result of sin or a mistaken identity. So this word harmatia has two parts, H-A, which means un or dis. Now, what does that mean, undo? Or you diss someone. You hold them at arm's length and so forth. Mm -hmm. The last part of that, martia or martros, M-E-T-R-O-S, means form. We're talking about sin, mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. It means form. It means origin and being. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when you take this all together, sin, singular, is what? The negation of origin or being or formlessness. Mm. 
In other words, you're dissing who you have always been. So you're good. dissing, you're undoing in your awareness who you have always been from before the foundation of the world. Now, you hear people say, well, sin, singular, means missing the mark. Yes, but a lot of times they'll say it's missing the mark and it is sinning, mm. as in sins, plural. Mm -hmm. But you see, the missing the mark here where sin, singular, is concerned is what? It's missing the mark of our origin or yes. our being, mm -hmm. which we were from before the foundation of the world. So yeah. if yeah. we do not understand the difference between sin mm -hmm. and sins, we have a problem yes, in our understanding. Yeah. People commit sins, pearl, because of the sin in their life, which is a mistaken identity right. in their awareness. Yeah. Now, let me just say a few things before we get to Revelation 21, because I'm going to focus upon verses 7 and 8, but I'm going to read the first few verses just to kind of get a foundation built here for what I'm going to say as we continue in the message. First of all, you can study the tabernacle of Moses, and you can readily see it's the brain when you understand about the brain, the left and the right hemisphere. You can study Solomon's temple, and you can readily see it's about the brain, the left and the right hemisphere, and the left yielding to the right, especially when lower thoughts or vain imaginations try to filtrate through our woman. Okay? You can study the Ark of Noah. It's the brain. It's awareness. You can study the Ark of the Covenant, the cerebrum, or the cerebrum of our brain. And people say, well, you're not ministering Christ. When we uh, teach from the Word of God, we need to minister Christ. How much more Christ can you get <laughs> than yielding those lower right. thoughts that try to filtrate, yeah. infiltrate through your woman, mm -hmm. through your Eve? Mm -hmm. How much more gospel can you get than yielding all unto Christ? Amen. But because many times we don't minister it in the way they think we should minister it, what is, what is more the gospel of the good news than showing people that the scripture says in Psalm 22 that all the ends of the earth will remember? And what is the veil? The hippocampus. It's the veil. It's a part of our brain, among other parts of our brain, that has to do with remembering. So... What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? If we don't minister the way certain people have it outlined that, you know, Jesus died and we were crucified and we died and we were buried and then quickened, raised and seed. If you don't minister it exactly that way and say the same thing in every service, then you're not ministering Christ. Well, I beg to differ with you. We are seeing a greater clarity on the death, burial, and resurrection than we've ever seen, especially since we've moved away from penal substitutionary atonement. We're seeing it with more clarity that the veil, this hippocampus, it was rent. The veil was rent at his death from top to bottom. And in his resurrection, there was an uprising of who we have always been. There was an advancing of who we have always been. There was a discovery of spiritual truth of who we have always been. How much more can we minister the gospel of the good news? But to show people the allegorical reality of every story, because if you stay with historicity, it's just going to be a nice little story for you. And some of the stories aren't all that nice anyhow. 
Exactly. Amen. And so to minister the good news is to say you can experience this. You don't have to wait till some so-called rapture. You don't have to wait till you die in your physical body. But you have been equipped and given all things that pertain to life, natural life, and godliness, spiritual life. And so we're not waiting on Jesus to come back on a white horse, a white stallion, and set everything right. He's waiting on us. Our Father is waiting on us to really get this message. Yeah, that's right. And as we turn within, as it says in Luke 11, that's when we're going to really get it. Remember, he said to the religious people, woe unto you Pharisees and scribes and, and legalists, woe unto you. You won't turn within and you hinder those that want to turn within. Why? That's the secret to experiencing, understanding, and experiencing the subjective experience of who we have always been. Now, that's the good news, that you can experience it. That's the good news, that you have everything within you and you lack absolutely nothing. Whether it's setting yourself straight or setting this world out here straight. And once a people really begin to no longer judge by appearances, what it feels like, what it looks like, because it looks a mess out there today. I mean, this recent killing that just took place, I mean, how horrible is that? But you know what? Through it all, we have got to see the whole earth full of the glory of God and walk by faith, and not just by faith, by knowing the truth. That our Father sees this creation the way he created it. He doesn't see us through Jesus. I know that's hard. He doesn't see us through the blood Jesus shed. He sees us the way he created us. He brought us here upright. We were never in Adam. He brought us here upright. But when we were brought to the place to where we could make our own decisions, we heard religious teaching and we chose to embrace that. And as a result, the hippocampus... As a result, we forgot who we were. Completely forgot who we were. Now we're finding out through this teaching who we really are and how that we can walk in this that we've objectively always been, but subjectively we want to experience, we want to walk in it, and the whole creation is looking for people just as I've explained here, of people that are really, really walking in it with fruit that remains rather than something... That's here today and gone tomorrow. Something that's short-lived. You know, and if it's short-lived, if the fruit is short-lived in our life, then they'll see us one way one day and another way the next day. Yes. yes. Yep. See? Yep. But we want to bear that fruit. Because you know what? He's already produced it in us. Yes, it's, sure in us. it's already in us. He produces it. Sure. We bear it. That's right. As we walk and live out of the joining of the two subjectively. Now, let's, are you in Revelation? It's the last book of the Bible, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Revelation chapter 21. I want to begin with verse 1, make a few comments, but I really want to focus upon verses 7 and 8. And I, I want us to see that I'm going to reveal this to you, or, well, I can't reveal it, Spirit has to, but I'm going to share it with you, where it talks about the fearful and the liars and the murderers and the whoremongers. All of that has been interpreted by religious people as people that shoot people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People that uh, are the city hoe. People that are murderers and are sitting in prison tonight because they've shot someone. But listen, what is sin and what is sins? Sins, plural, is the behavior. And yes, it can be outward behavior. But only when it's been an inward awareness of mistaken identity. Yeah. When it's been an inward awareness of mistaken 
identity. And that's what I want to give you is the inner awareness of what these things really mean to us today. And if we can walk in the joining and if we can walk in the knowing who we are, then the sins, the behavior is going to be not murderers and liars and yeah. adulterers and idolaters right. and all of those things that you see right. here in Revelation chapter 21. So let's begin in verse 1. And I saw a new heaven. Now how many know the city represents consciousness? Yeah. The city is consciousness. So I saw a new heaven. And how many know heaven is the realm of spirit including the spirit in us? Yeah. This is heaven right here. This is the heavenly consciousness. This is the realm of spirit, including the spirit in us. That's heaven. And a new earth. For the first heaven, the old way of thinking, Colossians 1.21, we're alienated enemies in our mind, right? In our mind. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So the old consciousness, what verse 1 is saying in Revelation 21, is that the old consciousness and the old awareness passes away as one begins to subjectively live out of the Christ mind. And the no more sea there. Remember Isaiah said the, the wicked are as the troubled sea. So no more sea means there's no more raging up and down. That's One day it. up and the next day down. Oh, right. Because we're consistently that's living right. out of the right side of the Christ right. mind. We have a new Amen. heaven. A new consciousness, and as a result, you see that you have a new earth. If your eyes right. single, your whole body will be full Absolutely. of light. Well, it already is full of light, yeah. but when we look at things through the single yes. eye, including our body, yes. we see it as spirit slow down to visibility. Right. Our bodies are just a spirit as a spirit is spirit, mm -hmm. you see. But we haven't been taught that, and so therefore, you know, that, that's foreign to us. Verse 2, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem is what? It's you here on the left side. See, it means peace. Jerusalem means peace, and you're not going to really experience any peace subjectively until the two are subjectively joined together. So I saw the holy city. This is the city. It's our consciousness. New Jerusalem coming down. What's this coming down about? Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So this coming down is simply this high consciousness being raised up and coming down to the earth. Right. It's like Jesus talked about taking the seed and sowing it into the ground. Right. And then I think it's in Mark 4 or Matthew 13, he said the ground yeah. is the heart or the heart awareness. Right. So it's taking that seed and bringing it down into the ground or into yeah. the earth. This is earth as well. Yeah. Okay. So that's what he's talking about there in verse 2. Verse 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven, the realm of spirit, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, this is how the Woost translation, W-E-U-S-T, the Woost translation says, God will live in the same tent as them. Yeah. See, now, back in the Old Testament days, they had the Old Covenant days, they had what they called mother's tent and father's tent. And you would live, when you were first physically born, you'd live in mother's tent for a while until you were a certain age or a certain maturity, you know, had been birthed within you. Then you'd move into father's tent. Mm -hmm. So this is saying in the loose translation, God will live in the same tent as them. Mm -hmm. That pretty much says it all. Yeah. In the same tent as them. And then this great voice where it says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven, 
That's the voice coming out of a people. It's not some God that's 50 million light years away and a voice is going to come out of heaven. No, that voice, we all speak with one voice as the two are subjectively joined together. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now, this is all speaking and in relationship to our consciousness. Our Christ mind doesn't have pain and tears and, and all of these sorrow and death. We don't even take on that consciousness. As Larry was saying earlier, the life just flows. We don't even take thought of those things because all of those are lower thoughts. To think of death, to think of sorrow, to think of crying, to think of pain, to think of anything in that realm doesn't even come to mind because as Jesus said, take no thought. We're so much in the Christ life. And as we were saying earlier, you know, we're coming to the place very quickly where we don't have to put on the Christ mind because Amen. we always walk in the Christ yes. mind. Amen. Amen. And that's an awesome place to be. Amen. And one of the things that we must understand, and I know we know this here, is that our awareness is a projector. Our awareness over here is a projector. And as we bring the Christ seed thoughts into our earth and plant them there, then they will be projected out to the body realm. Amen. And we will subjectively experience what our body already is and has always been, Amen. which is spirit slowed down to visibility. Amen. Verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne, now remember, what is a throne? Is there some throne off yonder, some millions of light years away that God is seated on this big Elizabethan chair and Jesus is on a little small one at the right of the Father? Absolutely. That's what religion pictures. It's not that at all. You and I, as the two are subjectively joined, we build the throne because as it says in Romans chapter 5, we reign in life by one Christ Jesus through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We do it. Through the power of the Spirit, yes, not the energy of the flesh, not right. through working and, and yeah. trying to think things up or work things up, no. As the two are joined together, we create that throne and rulership automatically comes out yeah. of us. So he, he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. So as I said, we, we are the ones that create this throne and then as we create this throne, all things are made new in our life as far as ruling and reigning yep. is concerned. Yep. As masculine and feminine are joined together, yep. we create that throne where we then rule. What do we rule over? Planets and things out here? No, we rule over the lower thoughts. <laughs> we rule over just mere intellect or yep. mere human reasoning or logic yep. or even ego or five senses or emotions. We submit that we, not submit, we yield those things. I mean, you can say submit if you want. That's a little stronger than yielding. I happen to like yielding because, listen, one is not inferior to the other. They're equivalents. They just have different roles. Now, when you have thoughts that are vain imaginations, yes, that is lower. We don't want the lower thoughts. When we operate out of mere intellect, that is lower. When we're operating from the left side in and of itself. Then, that is the lower aspect. But in and of themselves, they're equivalent. Just like 
the helpmeet in Genesis, the woman was what? She was an equivalent. She was a helpmeet or an equivalent. She wasn't lesser than Adam. Adam needed Eve. Eve needed Adam. We need masculine. We need feminine as well as we need masculine. They have different roles. And as we join them subjectively together, then we are ruling over the lower thoughts. But this in and of itself is not lower. Right. Right? right. It's an equivalent. Verse 6. Yeah. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Now, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, it is not talking about some linear time frame. What it's talking about, this is the beginning of the Greek alphabet, Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. What it is talking about when he says, I am, and how many know, what he is, we is. So it's talking about eternality. We are beginning as the two are joined together subjectively. We are drawing from the inexhaustible eternal realm within us where it is done and it has always been done. Amen. So many people today are still saying, well, Jesus said I came to give you a life that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The word had. He didn't come to give us a life we didn't have before. That's right. He came to reveal the life we always had. Amen. And the word have there, and I think it's John 10, 10, I came that you might have life, means to conceive. Amen. So it's a conceiving. Yep. He's conceiving the life in us that we've always had. And Amen. that comes through his resurrection, which means Amen. the discovery of spiritual truth. Yep. Now, you're in Revelation 21. Look at verses 7 and 8. And what I want to talk about here, there are eight words that are used here that have been taught, as I've already stated, in a literal sense, and it makes people sin conscious. In the book of Jeremiah, it talks about the vineyard, and I know we've looked at that before in this series on mind-brain connection, but it talks about the vineyard, and it says that the vineyard, it states that the vineyard and the father is on the right side. Just like in Genesis, and of course the right side would be when you look north, the right side is east, right? Judah, the dawning of the new day, enlightenment and so forth. The garden in Genesis chapter 1 was what? It was in the east or east. We draw from the east side and as we draw from the light of Christ, truth, then we are what? We are drawing from our right side because everything... Or anything that is outside of the garden is death. Anything that's external to us in and of itself is death. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is what? It is death. It's duality, but it's also death. It's like, you know, I've used this example many times. It's two ends of the same stick, the opposite ends of the same stick, which are both death. Even the good, even the external good is death. And so we are, the right side designates our tree of life. We are a tree of life. Christ is the tree of life as us. Now, in verse 7, look what it says. Revelation 21, 7. He that overcometh shall inherit. Now, that's not talking about him in, if you're an overcomer, because we're all in the overcoming one. But listen, what that's talking about there simply is that we shall experience not get it. We already have the kingdom Amen. within us. We came here with the kingdom within us. It's righteousness, peace, yeah. and joy. Yeah. But to inherit the kingdom has to do with a people that subjectively begin to experience, as it says, all things. 
and I will be his God and he shall be my son. In other words, it is stating that if you do what Jesus said, you are truly a son of God subjectively. You're truly, as we do what Jesus told us to do, not worship him, but as we do, he never wanted us to worship him. He came to reveal the Father. We worship the Father. But if we do what Jesus said, then what are we doing? We are then showing forth the fact that we are just as much a son of God as Jesus was a son of God. And that's when we begin to tap into the greater works that Jesus talked about doing. He's our elder brother, folks. Do you worship your elder brother? No. no, but you do what he said to do. Mm-hmm. We're to do what Jesus said to do. Mm-hmm. Now, what Jesus was telling us is that we need to dress and keep the garden. Yeah. He told Adam that, dress mm-hmm. and keep the, the garden. Adam didn't. Right. And I believe that the, that the sin, S-I-N, singular, that Adam committed, if you will, was in thinking See, mistaken identity was in thinking that he could do something to be in the image and the likeness of God. So if we want to see the performance of spirit, if we want to see the grapes flourish in our vineyard, then what do we do? We bring forth wine and we bring forth the spirit activity by slipping into that Christ mind, of course, staying into the Christ mind. But if you're not in the Christ mind, subjectively putting on that Christ mind, as Paul the Apostle talked about. And listen, we do not have to labor. God never intended for Adam to labor in the garden when he told him to keep it and told him to dress the garden. It wasn't labor. It wasn't by the sweat of his brow. It was willingly by the love receptor within him. Now, in Jeremiah, it tells us that we, in effect, I'm not going to go there, but it tells us that we're to go up into the watchtower and we are to watch. What is the watchtower? Well, the watchtower is the same as the upper room. Yep. It's the Christ mind. Absolutely. And what do we do when we're watching? One word, we're meditating. Wow. See, we are meditating, and what we're watching for are the thoughts that would try to encroach or try to filter through our feminine principle. And as we see that through our watching and through our meditation, we yield We yield those thoughts, and as we yield those thoughts, then what happens is the Christ mind begins to be utilized within our life. Now, let's look at these eight different things here that are listed in verse 8. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, ooh, it's getting scary, and murderers and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake. Oh, that's scary too. Well, we're going to talk about the lake too. Which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, there's eight categories here that must be seen for what they are. And we're going to look at them according to sin, harmatia. Not according to sins as behavior aspects in people's lives. And remember, you cannot have sins, plural, in your behavior unless you first have the sin of harmatia, of missing the mark, or missing the mark of your origin or being, or not knowing who you have always been. So the first one here, notice number one is the fearful. For example, let's take meditation for for an example. How many people today in the religious church, and I want to always call it the religious
religious church because that's what it is. Yeah. In the religious church. Now, I know that there is a religion that is undefiled. I think it's in one of the little books, James. Titus or James or one of those. But I'm talking about the religious, religious church. Mm -hmm. I remember years ago making a statement, and some of you looked at me cross-eyed that, that are still here or that are with us today still. And I said, we have a lot of unbelieving believers. Absolutely. Yes. A lot of unbelieving believers. In other words, we have a lot of fearful people. Yeah. And of course, in religion, they say, well, you know, if you involve yourself in meditation, you simply open yourself up to demons and devils. And of course, no, you'll open yourself up to lower thoughts, which are demons and devils, by yeah. not meditating, yeah. by not turning within. Right. So they don't see the importance of turning within. Another thing that the religious church just abhors and has such a fit over, and that is, and of course we know it has to do also with the sinner's prayer. We know it has to do with we came here as a sinner or we came here lost. When we didn't, we were just deceived between our ears. And now we're waking up, you know, to the truth of who we have always been. But another one that the people just really, it has, we're talking about fearful, right? The first one is fearful. People have so much fear over eternal conscious torment. Mm -hmm. That my kids are going to go to hell and they're going to be scorched and torched with his whipping and welling and gnashing of teeth eternally. But when you really know the truth about it, you see that Hades and Sheol and Tartarus and Gehenna, all of them have meanings. Like, for example, Gehenna was where the people of Israel took their, their refuge to burn. And it's where the people were thrown into in 70 A.D. that right. were killed when Titus and the Roman soldiers came in and destroyed Jerusalem and, and the temple there. And so when you study Hades and Sheol and Tartarus and Gehenna, you will see, if you really study it in the Greek, you will see that there's no such thing as eternal conscious torment. Right. It's a tradition and a doctrine of men. And guess what the numerical value of traditions is, where it says the word of God is become of none effect to you by your traditions. It's the number 666. Traditions is the number 666. Now, we know that 6 plus 6 plus 6 equals 18, and 8 plus 1 is what? 9, which is the number of consciousness. So anything false coming from the lower thinking generates this first thing within me. Or within in religious people, I meant to say, is what? Fear. It's fear. Fear who they think that God is in a retributive way. He's out to get us. Oh, he's been mad about, uh, mad at us. No, he's been mad about us, not mad at us, ever. He's, he's love. In fact, and let me throw this one in while I'm at it, and, and connect it to the fearful. When people say, well, I don't know if God's ever forgiven me for that you know, horrible thing that I did. Listen, he is love. He's not offended. He says to us, blessed are you when you're not offended in anything. Mm -hmm. I did a post recently on the 70 times 7 forgiveness just this week. Yeah. And I shared, and I may teach on that next week. I'm not sure. But the thing is, if God, if, if God is love, then there's no propensity within him to have to forgive us because he isn't offended in the first place. Right, right. Yeah. Love can't be offended. So that's another thing that people are so in the religious church are so fearful of, I, you know, that forgiveness aspect. When you see the words forgiveness, several Greek words, and they're talking about forgiving ourselves mm -hmm. and being forgiving towards others. Right. Has nothing to do. You can take God out of the equation. 
When you're thinking about forgiveness, it has nothing to do. There's a pieces, there's a phenomai, a, a there's a charisma, there's, a, I think, four Greek words for forgive and forgiveness, and none of them have to do with a God who was offended by what we did having to forgive us. So I rest my case on that one. So that's fearful. People are so fearful, and I just listed a few here. You know, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the Lord. What? What does that mean, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Lord? Fearful is not talking about shaking, scared. No, it's, it's a reverential thing to fall into the hands of the Lord, knowing that he's working a work within you, and the work you begin, he will finish into the day of the Lord. So fearful, that's the first one. Number two is unbelieving. Do we really believe that if our eye be single, our whole body is filled with light? Unbelieving. So what we have to do eventually is we eventually have to intentionally make up our mind we are going to trust the work, the process, if you want to call it that, because there is a process of waking up to what has been true of us. We have to finally come to the place to where we even move beyond our BS, our belief system, moving beyond even the... the the CRAP, the Christian Rules and Principles, because it's not about a principle, it's about a life. We have to move away from just our believing, and we have to embrace knowing. Now, there's a scripture, and I tried to find it earlier before the service, but there is a similar one in John 5:39 that talks about, and what I was looking for was the one that says, eternal life is knowing him. So we move beyond faith. Faith is when you're not sure that, you know, something's going to happen. You're just kind of walking, you know, not knowing for sure. You exercise faith. Believing is, well, I believe a certain doctrine, and it's way beyond believing a certain doctrine. We must come to the place of knowing. That's it. Where we know that we know that we know. I know that my Father is my health as me. I know that my father is my wealth as me. I know that my father is all things as me. And you'll know the truth. See, truth doesn't set you free. It's the knowing of the truth. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I love the next one. It's called abominable. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Abominable? Like the snowman? Yeah. Yeah. Abominable snowman. Has yeah. anyone ever called you abominable? Yes. yes. Well, hang on to Revelation and go to Isaiah 65. Hang on to Revelation 21 and let's look at Isaiah 65 and verse 4. Now, remember some time ago, and this has been early on in this series, I did a little teaching on Matthew 24, 15 where it talks about the abomination of desolation. Right. Yeah. And we have believed, oh, you know, there, there's going to come a seven-year tribulation, and the, when you see the abomination of desolation sitting in the holy place. Hello, holy place. So what is, oh. the, what is the abomination of desolation? It's the lower thoughts that are desolate. Oh, yes. That's the abomination of desolation. Hello. It has nothing to do with what's happening out here in the world. I mean, Jesus said you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. You know, don't be shaken, he says about that. Don't shake it. Because you're going to have those. You're going to have the Why? Because people are in sin, harmatia. They are missing the mark of their true identity and origin. 
But look what it says here about abominable in Isaiah 65 in verse 4. It says, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things is in their vessels. Now notice it says, eating swine's flesh is abominable. Eating swine's flesh is abominable. So in other words, if I eat bacon uh -oh. or pork, uh -oh. I'm going to hell. I'm going to miss heaven and I'm going to split hell wide open. Yeah. But Jesus said it's not that that goes into the mouth right. that defiles the man, but that which comes out of the mouth. In other words, it's what comes out of our thoughts. So every time we're allowing the lower thoughts to rule over our Christ mind, you're eating swine's meat. That's right. Have a bite of swine's meat here. Yeah. Now, the people of Israel believed that it was yeah. abomination to eat. And, you know, we have people in India today that won't eat cows because, you know, they made idols of the cows and so forth. Swine's flesh, as we just read here, is symbolic of lower thoughts. It's symbolic of lower thoughts. Swine's flesh is a symbolic statement back there in Isaiah chapter 65. It's like saying, let's go shoot the bull. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you're not going to get a gun and go kill a black animal. Mm -hmm. Or Brenda's three sheets to the wind. Oh, Brenda. Oh, I just <laughs> <laughs> or Sheila's three sheets to the wind. That's more like it. All right? <laughs> there are no sheets involved. Never. No clothespins, no, no sheets. No clothespins. She's had a little bit too much to drink. That's yeah. what it's talking about. So this is allegoric language, you see. Now, isn't it much better to see eating swine's meat as an allegory of lower thoughts rather than something you chomble between your teeth and it's going to send you to hell? Well, that's what people believe. That's, that's this abominable. It's one that does not yield the left to the right, the lower thoughts to the right. So every once in a while, we start chewing on a pork chop. Oh, <laughs> you ever chewed on a pork chop, George? You got that right. <laughs> I'm talking about over here. <laughs> so we need to quit eating pork chops. We need to start chewing from the right side. Right? We need to start eating fish. How many know fish is brain food? That's what we need to start eating. When Jesus said, cast your net to the right side, cast your energy to the right side. They caught 153 fish. Yes. One, five, three yes. equals what? Nine, yep. which is consciousness. And the fish has to do with the wisdom. And fish is brain food. Yes. So instead of bacon, let's eat fish. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> We're just talking about swine's flesh is just being led by the flesh of the lower thoughts. Now, the next one, back to Revelation 21, verse 8. The next one is murderers. And of course, murderers here, if you're looking at sins, plural, yes, it would be someone that shot someone and they're going to spend the rest of their life in prison. But if you look at this allegorically and spiritually, a murder allegorically is someone, it's speaking of those who won't tell the truth and thereby they destroy the subjective experience that you could have as you join the two together. That's a murder. Wow. That's a murder. And you can be a murderer Whoa. by allowing the lower thoughts to drown Whoa. out when they encroach upon your woman Woo. by allowing those yeah. lower thoughts to have rule within your life. That's 
That's abortion. Now this is this is really what we see going on in the religious church setting to get today. Because Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, he talked about the letter of the law being death, but the spirit of the word being life. And the spirit of the word is looking at the truth, what we can read in the scriptures and what's written within our heart and our mind, looking at those truths spiritually, allegorically, parabolically, hyperbole, or in a way that is not sticking with the historicity or the literal aspect of it. So that's a murder. Mm -hmm. Now, this murderer is one who wants people to be under their thumb. So they tell you, you're a sinner, and you need to walk the green mile and say the sinner's prayer. And once you do that, they're going to load you down with a bunch of traditions and keep you bound so they can get your money. Hello. And it's called, a nice fancy name for that is C-U-L-T, cult. Not all cult, but cult. And you see, they want to lead you, and, and really they want you dead so that you don't think higher than they think. They want to think for you. Religion always wants to think for you. Hello. Hello. And what is that? That's murderers. They're those who will not minister the truth and thereby... See, here's one way that they won't minister the truth and thereby keep you from realizing the importance of joining these two together. They'll say, oh, well, that's for after the rapture of the church. Yeah. yeah. Murderer. They're murdering your spiritual life. Yeah. That's for after you die. Murderer. Yeah. That's not telling the truth of the importance of joining the masculine and the feminine together so you can birth something in this life. Amen. In the lovely here and now. Amen. Isaiah. Look at Isaiah. Look at Isaiah. Hang on to Revelation 21. But look at Isaiah 1, 21. Isaiah chapter 1. Still talking about the murderers. It's not someone that gets out a gun and shoots someone. Now, it could be that if they're living in mistaken identity. Because people, you know, their behavior really depicts who they think they are. If people knew who, if, if the young man knew who he was that went into that school in Texas last week, shooting up all of those children and the two teachers, if he would have known who he was, he never would have done that. That's right. That's right. If Hitler would have known who he was, he never would have killed the people that he killed. So what is it? Is it an identity problem? No. It's not an identity problem. The prodigal son never changed his identity when he left the father. Something changed right here in his awareness. Never changed his identity or his nature as far as the core constitution of our being. So you see, these are things that we need to realize. If people have mistakes, this is why we need to show people who our Father is as them, who yes. Christ is as them. Yes. We need to show them they're the light of the yes. world, the salt of the earth. Yeah. We need to show yes. them that they were never a sinner or lost. We need to show them they came here upright, Ecclesiastes 7.29. We need to show them those truths. That's how we're going to get rid of war and killings and Amen. mass shootings. Hello. Hello. It's not in gun reform. Don't let me get off on a soapbox here. It's not in gun reform. It's not in that. It's people need to know who they are. So that their behavior can line up then with who they are. Isaiah 21. How is the faithful city becoming harlot? 
It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged enough in it, but now murderers. Righteousness lodged in the city, Christ's mind. Lodged in the church, lodged in the consciousness, lodged in the city, but now murderers. That's a murderer. A murderer. The faithful city became a harlot because, listen, of what the murderers sow, sowed into it. Now, let me just be quick to say this. I, I, I truly believe, and Candy and I were talking about this earlier, I truly believe that religious preachers and teachers would not have ministered what they have ministered in the past with all the religious lies had they known better. Right. I don't think they were trying to deceive us on purpose. I think that's just all they knew, just like right. our parents did the best they could do in raising us. So why be bitter about them? Even, this, even though the scriptures calls them murderers, why be bitter and angry about that, which will hinder your moving on right. and experiencing right. subjectively what right. we're talking about here. Right. Now, back to Revelation 21. Revelation 21. So we just read in Isaiah, how is the faithful city, the higher consciousness, become a harlot? And the answer is the murderers that sowed the seed into them. It's like the parable in Matthew 21, 33 through 38. It talks there about the parable of the householder. And what did they do? They killed the son because they wanted his inheritance. The murderers. The murderers killed the son because they wanted the son's inheritance. That's a good one we need to look at. Now, the next one here in Revelation 21, 8, the next one is whoremongers. That's the great whore. Now, I used to think that the great whore, and I was taught this, uh, not so much in the church I was raised in, maybe somewhat, but mostly in the charismatic, yeah. charismaniac realm, the spirit-filled <laughs> realm. I was taught that the great harlot was the Catholic Church. Yes. You ever heard that? Oh, absolutely. And then in Revelation chapter 17, it begins to, you know, list the different things that this great uh, harlot that was clothed in purple and had a golden cup and so forth. What that was talking about there, and it's talking about it in Revelation chapter 17, is really the lower thoughts. You've heard people talk about the city hoe, right? Yeah, city hoe. Well, it's not the one that's out there, you know, making out and doing whatever they do with, you know, all the men or women, for that matter. But what it is, the hormoner is the one that will not curb the vain imaginations by yielding them to the Christ mind. Will not take mere intellect and human reasoning and logic and ego and emotions and five senses and yield them to the Christ mind. Well, that's, that's whoremongers right there. That's whoremongers right there. Now, again, objectively, objectively, we're, we're already one. But subjectively, oh my gosh, we want to experience the penetration, you see, All right, of now. the seed into the virgin consciousness yes. that we might birth the Christ rather than allow the strange woman that Proverbs talks about. Wow to rule within our life. Second Corinthians, go to 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. Hang on to Revelation. Look at 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. The bridegroom, remember when we talked about Passover and I shared with you, and I think it was Easter, uh, you know, what is called traditionally as Easter. I talked about the fact that the disciples were asking Jesus, where should we go to prepare for the Passover? 
And he comes up with this strange wording, and he said, when you see the man with a water pitcher, now remember, it was women that carried water pitchers, not men, but when you see the man with a water pitcher, follow him, and who's the water pitcher? It's going within, or who's the, who's the man? It's going within, it's you and I, it's Christ as us. It's turning within, and it's following where spirit within us leads us to the upper room or the higher consciousness of the Christ mind. Right. And in that large room, it says, all is already prepared. So you don't have to prepare, and I know this is kind of strong, but you don't pass over. Is passing over from the winter experience of your life to the spring experience and then on into the summer experience Amen. of your life. Amen. It has nothing to do with grape juice and a cracker. Right. Right. Now, I'm not against that. If people want to share that and it blesses them, then that's fine. Okay? I'm not adamantly against that. I'm just simply saying there's a greater Passover. Amen. Amen. And it's the Passover of us passing over. When we draw and allow the Christ sperm or seed to yep. impregnate our virgin consciousness, there's going to be a Passover. You got that right. It's going to be a Passover from a winter experience right. to a spring experience to a summer experience. Right. It's going to be... It's going to be a Passover. Now, we're talking, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're talking about the, the whoremonger. Another word is us having intercourse with the strange woman, which is simply the lower thoughts. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians 11 2. <coughs> 2 Corinthians 11 2. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. Yep. One husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, how can you and I be a chaste virgin subjectively? Well, it's only one way. It's when we separate ourselves from the lower way of thinking and allow the divine consciousness to impregnate our feminine principle. Then, as it says here in 2 Corinthians 11, 2, at that point, you are a chaste virgin subjectively. And there's no other way except intercoursing with this that we're talking about over here. Now, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Look at that one quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Christ must be born of virgin consciousness alone. And listen, you never really know when that happens. Uh-oh. Wow. Does a woman know the instant she's impregnated by the no. sperm of the husband? No. Not until she begins to walk a little wobbly. Stomach gets bigger. I gotta stand up. Stomach gets bigger. She, 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 she gets hungry. She has cravings. That's so good. And so we don't always know when there has been the conception of that seed in the womb or the feminine principle or the virgin consciousness until things begin to happen. That's right. Things begin to Amen. change, Amen. and we come to a place to where we know beyond the shadow of a doubt. You know why? The fruit that yes. we're bearing yes. is not short-lived. It's not. It's not here today and gone no, tomorrow. It's not. And people that come in contact with us, they sense that peace. Yes, they yeah. do. They sense the peace. Absolutely. They sense the rest. Mm -hmm. But look what 1 Peter chapter <laughs> 1 and verse 23 says here. And let's see how that we are born again. How does this happen? Born again in the Aramaic means to remember our origin. Right. Yes. Yep. That's what it means. Born again is not walking the green law, confessing your sin because you're a sinner and accepting Jesus into your heart. 
He's always been in our heart. Christ has always been in our heart. See, he wants us to get into his heart. Not the other way around. But look what it says here in 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And the incorruptible seed is what comes from where? From the right side, from the Christ consciousness. You know, Jesus looked at a group of people one day and he said, how come you call me Lord, Lord, and you never do the things I've told you to do? Don't call me Lord, Lord, unless you're doing the things that I've told you to do. So in other words, what Jesus was saying here when he said, I never knew you, there was no yada. Uh -oh. Yada in the Greek, knowing. I never knew you. knew you. It's the Greek word yada, and it means intimate knowing. That's so good. You never came into the chamber. Right. You never allowed me to penetrate you. Oh, come on. Your virgin consciousness with yeah. the incorruptible seed that it talks about in 1 Peter 1 and verse 23. See, listen, religions lied to us by telling us that meditation will open us up to demons and devils. Not meditating is what's gonna open you up to the demons and the devils of the lower thoughts and the lower thinking. Go back to Revelation 21. We can only become pregnant when we're penetrated by the bridegroom. Absolutely. In our Christ and realm of spirit of the right side, is the bridegroom. Oh, what a romance. Woo! Notice the next one here. Wow. In Revelation 21.8 is sorcerers. Uh-oh. Now, according to Jay Gaskell's book, which I have, it means a symbol, and it's a sorcerers, of the following false ideas and vain and unpractical notions from habit and authority. Oh, and a similar word is wizards. Wow. Which is described as symbols of non-human intelligence directing lower plane activities oh, or of base minds attracted towards unpractical notions and false ideas. Wow. So again, it's referring to sorcerers as simply referring to people who think out of the vain imaginations the lower thoughts, wow. like the voice that comes to you from the lower thoughts. What do you mean you're one? What do you mean the Father is your health as you? What do you mean that the Father is your wealth as you? What do you mean that you have all things and you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Well, what is that? That's sorcery. Wow. Wizardry, wow. which is described as symbols of non-human intelligences directing lower plane activities or of a based mind attracted towards impractical notions and false ideas. Yeah. It's yeah. like in one of the little John books, it says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Mm -hmm. And people preach all around that, well, don't make an idol out of your house. Don't make an idol out of your dog. Don't make an idol out of your cat. Don't make an idol out of your this, that, or the other. When it's talking about lower thoughts. False ideas. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. False ideas. It's idolone in the Greek. 
The next one, the seventh one, is idolaters, which are symbolic of worship, of conventional and false ideas put in the place of the true, the beautiful, and the good. That's an idolater that will take a false idea, religious thought, mm -hmm. and will make it the supreme truth. Yeah. It's like, it's <laughs> like the, yes sir, it's like the word antichrist. It do, antichrist doesn't mean haters of Christ or haters of God. It means an instead of. That's it. Look at all the religious traditional ideas we have instead of Amen. the truth. Amen. Now, the last one, number eight, is liars. Liars in Scripture are those who do not teach the truth. <clears throat> a liar is one that lives out of what the intellect dictates, what human reasoning dictates. Because there is a reasoning. Isaiah said, come, let's come reason together. together. But that's when the reasoning, human yep. reasoning, is subjected or is yielded, yep. yielded, I want to say, yep. unto the right side. Yep. So intellect alone is not truthful. Logic alone is not truthful. Human reasoning alone is not truthful. Emotions in and of themselves are not truthful. To go by what we feel, what we see with the two eyes on the top of our head is not truthful. Five senses is not truthful. Because it'll tell us something that is opposed to what Christ tells us. Now, every one of these that were listed in Revelation 21 and verse 8, whether they're fearful Unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, or liars are all the result of not yielding yeah. to the Christ mind. Right. All of them are a result of not taking the vain imagination, the lower thoughts mm -hmm. that try to encroach upon our woman, mm -hmm. and we don't yield them to the Christ mind. Mm -hmm. Then we are allegorically a part of the unbelieving, the fearful, the abominable, the liars, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, because it all has to do with the left side. Now, let's see what happens in closing. Let's see what happens to all of this mindset and awareness that we just read about, all eight of these things. Because look what it goes on to say in the rest of verse 8. They shall have their part in the lake. In the lake. Now let me ask you, what would you call a lake in the natural? In the natural, you would call a lake a body of water. So allegorically and spiritually, what is a lake? But a body of people that are one with the truth, the fire of God's word, and God is a consuming fire. It's having all of those lower thoughts cast into the burning fire, which is not eternal, by the way. Cast into the burning fire of the Christ mind or the word of God. Amen. Because the word fire in the Greek is P-U-R, and it means to cleanse. To cleanse. And brimstone, where it talks about fire and brimstone. Brimstone is where we get the word, it's theon in the Greek, it's where we get the word sulfur. Did you ever take sulfur as a kid? I don't know if they still prescribe that, but... Probably not, but I remember taking, it tasted like chocolate to me. I remember how it tasted because I had it. My mom would give me a tablespoon of sulfur. Wow. It tasted like chocolate. It wasn't too bad, really. Mm -hmm. But this is brimstone. Mm -hmm. 
Theon, the fire of God. Jeremiah said God is a consuming fire. Or maybe Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews. And Jeremiah said thy word is a fire. So when we are subjected to the truth or the word, you see, then all of these things we read about are consumed and burned up Absolutely. by the truth. That's your lake of fire. Come on! And brimstone. It's yeah. not some eternal conscious torment. No, it's not. Where people are going to be scorched and torched. It's going to be weeping yeah. and wailing and gnashing and We create our own hell in this sure life. Do. Sure, sure and do. We've created a whole hell of a lot of hell yeah. in our lives by yes. believing the lie, by listening to unbelievers, murderers, idolaters, by listening to all of that garbage. But again, I, I'm, I'm going to qualify that by saying they just didn't know any better. And guess what? We didn't either <laughs> because we accepted a hook, line, and sinker. Now, let me have you go to, we're going to look at two more scriptures. Hang on to Revelation 21 because I want to come back there and read verse 9. But look at 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 and 13. In talking about the fire, his word is a fire, God is a consuming fire, but not to cast you into some fire that's going to scorch and torch you endlessly. I mean, you know, just think it through for a minute. Let's think it through for a minute. Okay, think it through. If you no longer have a physical body, yeah. and you're in eternal conscious torment, yeah. how are you going to feel that anyhow? That's right. Feeling is a, listen, your five senses are hooked to your body and flow to your brain. And you're not going to have any of that. Well, let me get off of that. <laughs> listen, Gehenna, Sheol, all of those Greek, there's two Hebrew words, or at least one Hebrew word, and three Greek words for hell. And the word eternal, where it talks about eternal damnation and eternal hell fire, the word eternal, what it means, it's aeonius in the Greek, it means for a period of time. Yeah. Now, there's some of you out there that are listening tonight that have children that you think are going to be scorched and torched endlessly. And I'm here to tell you that is not going to happen. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. No. Not going to happen. No. All right, 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, that's good. But wood, hay, and stubble, that's man-made. Yeah. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day, and the word day means revelation, for the revelation of the truth shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, the fire of his word, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, these verses right here in 1 Corinthians 3, 12, and especially verse 13, are very encouraging. And they just simply mean that the spirit of the word, as opposed to the letter of the law, the spirit of the word, which is the truth that comes right. from the realm of spirit and yes. Christ's mind, is going to burn up anything and everything that you don't need to be a full expression Amen. of Christ. Oh, there Amen. 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 And not only that, but you know what? When you subjectively experience masculine and feminine as one, oh, when you subjectively experience that, you move from a bride to the lamb's wife. Yeah. How, how long is a bride a bride? How long is a bride a bride? Maybe one day, a few hours. And then she becomes the wife. Now let me read that. Go back to Revelation. In closing, let me read this. Revelation 21, 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels. Now, didn't it say 
Well, it, does, it says it right here. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. Now, let me just share with you the seven last plagues, and I taught it not too long ago from Revelation chapter 16. They're all good. In fact, in chapter 15, it says the plagues or the vials are wonderful. And remember, it was the plagues that brought Israel out of Egypt. Yes. But it's these plagues or vials here in Revelation 16 that get Egypt out of us. Or the lower thinking out of us. Okay? So look what it says. Let me read that again. So there came unto me one of the seven angels, and that's a messenger with a message. Okay? The fullness seven. The fullness of the message. That's what seven angels represent spiritually. Which had the seven vials. That's according to Revelation 16, the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come up hither. Come into the upper room. Come into the higher consciousness. Yes. Turn within. No. Come up hither. I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. So you may call this a bride. I mean, you could call the, you know, our feminine principle a bride, but it doesn't stay a bride. Right. It's married now, subjectively. That's right. The two are married subjectively. And as a result, the subjective marriage takes place as it takes place within us. We then begin to experience and walk in everything from Genesis to Revelation. We then subjectively walk in it more than walk in it, we become it. We be it. That's right. We be the word made fresh. We be the word made fresh. That camera keeps turning. I'm telling you the truth. It keeps turning this way. <laughs> How could it be moving like that? I thought wow. I had a straight one. But anyhow, so there you have it, folks. Revelation 21, 7 and 8. All of those things that we read about, the murderers, the liars, the unbelievers, the hormones, sorcerers, all of that is a result of harmatia, yep. mm -hmm. of missing the mark, yes, so of our origin, mm -hmm. and not knowing who we are. Right. And therefore, we're an unbeliever. Yeah. We're involved in sorcery. Mm -hmm. We tell ourselves lies. The left side tells us lies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then who knows who else we yeah. convey those lies to. That's right. And so therefore, the, <laughs> so therefore, all of those things, if you look at them in a literal sense, like a murderer, someone that literally kills someone, or a liar, someone that can't tell the truth just in the natural. Yep. What are you talking about? You're talking about someone that does those sins, plural, simply because they don't have this right. Yep. They don't have their origin right. Yep. They have mistaken identity. Yep. And as I said when I started, if you can see the difference between sin, singular, mistaken identity, and sins, which has to do with behavior, then you're not going to be throwing everything into the sin basket. And no, you're not going to be right. sin conscious anymore. Right. Right. You will have been delivered from the sin consciousness. Right. And religion all over the place is full of sin consciousness. Why? They live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If it looks good, it must be God. Oh, not everything that looks good is God. If it looks evil, it's got to be evil. Not everything that appears evil is evil. You know, I could walk into the local bar tonight to go minister to someone. Yeah. Someone, the wrong person see me? Oh, what's she doing? She just ministered a nice, wonderful message, and she's going into the bar. What if she's going in there to have a Bloody Mary or what? And her sidekick was with her. 
Now that makes it worse yet. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, listen. We may still need a little Lake of Fire experience. Yeah, baby. In fact, I know we do. Yeah. You know, we haven't arrived. It's what we have, but we haven't. You see? So all of those things that we read in the book of Revelation, you know, they're all symbolic. He sent his word and signified it unto John, which means it was given in sign and symbol. Now, I know literally it applies to 70 A.D., but it was still sign and symbol because it was described in the white horse, red horse, black, and so forth. It was still written in sign and symbol, even though it happened literally. So it's happening within us as we see it spiritually. Had someone send me a comment on one of my Facebook posts this week, and they asked me that question. And I said, it's as you turn within. It's as you turn within in meditation, as you turn within and allow spirit to lead you and, yep. and, and bring you these truths right. that you'll begin to experience them. Yep. So we live in a wonderful time. It's Amen. the age of Aquarius. It's the age of enlightenment. It's the age of the feminine. It's the age of the subjective joining of the masculine and the feminine. Amen. And uh, it's Amen. a wonderful time. Amen. It's a wonderful time. People Amen. say, oh, I wish I could have walked the shores of Galilee with Jesus 2,000 years ago. That would have been wonderful and great. But listen, this is a greater time. Amen. Amen. This is a great, much greater Amen. time because the people are beginning to experience it and walk in it subjectively. Amen. And they're coming to the knowing. Yes, they are. They know that they Amen. know. That yes. They know. So, Father, we just thank you yes, tonight Lord. for your presence for our spirit that is conceiving and quickening Amen. these words within our heart awareness that we can not just know about them, but we can walk in them and experience them Amen. subjectively. Amen. We bless you and we honor you. Thank you for this Amen. body. Thank you for the revelation. Thank you for the truth. In the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.